Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. It's our scripture study podcast, YouTube video, um, whichever way you're watching or listening. Um, We're on our fifth and final lesson of Isaiah. That is so crazy. I know. It seemed like it was going to take so long at the beginning. It did take a long time. Like today when I was studying it, I was like, I feel like we've been doing Isaiah um, forever. And I'm really proud of like whoever put the schedule together because they took seriously when Jesus said, greater the words of Isaiah, treasure the words of Isaiah. So if you're going to spend five times on anything. Yeah. And honestly, it's like my, like I was looking back over the five times and I was like, my head hurts from Isaiah. You know, like it takes... A lot more concentration when yeah. you're reading it. Like, wait, what did he actually say? You know, and he speaks so much in imagery and picture that he's mm. like, I want you to like feel through this. Like, I want you to like, I'm painting you a picture to get you to feel through it. And so it just requires more effort. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but so did rad. So, so rad. We did it. We feel um, like we ran a marathon. Yeah. And I won. Okay. Um, have you ever run a marathon? No. Oh, I suggest it. No, um. you do not. That's such a lie. You've ran how many? One. And you said, I will... Always remember it. Never do that again. <laughs> I will always remember it is what I said. Okay. Um, so we moved through the whole Old Testament. That's where we're at is in Isaiah right now. So we have this timeline and put. let's put up this piece on the timeline. Um which is the fourth word. We have this picture of the Savior and then these four words that we picked that Isaiah likes to use throughout his book. Um, and the fourth one that goes on spot 41 is the word Savior. And one of the things that we t- we've talked about the whole time that we just really appreciate about him is he continually is pointing us to him. And he's continually showing us what his heart is like, what his character is like, particularly with people who seem undeserving. People mm. who are rebellious, people who turn their back, people who don't listen. Yeah. And, and to Which is, see... his, is Isaiah's people. That right. is Isaiah's people. Right, right. And so to, to the contrast of what they're like versus what he's like, I think has been a really, really powerful theme throughout yeah. the whole book. Now, before we jump into that, here's oh. one other suggestion from the tip-in that you might want to use for a lesson this week. Um, this might be like the direction that you take. And it's um, all And let's throughout. just talk about this before you explain it. Yeah. So a lot of you are asking where you can find these tippins, and we printed them at the beginning, and then we did not do a reprint because reprints are kind of tricky. So a lot of you have been asking for them. So we have just gotten permission to be able to sell a digital form of these that you're going to be able to print at home. And that should be up on desertbook.com. We'll put a link in the newsletter this time if you want to print off these tippins and put them in. This one's going to show you, you be, te- you be telling them and I'll walk Okay, there. so just it, it's kind of a collection of throughout the writings of Isaiah, some of the things that he prophesied about. And so you've got like Christmas prophecies, you've got his ministries prophecies, and you've got his death and resurrection prophecies 
throughout all of Isaiah. Remember, this happened 700 years before he's ever even born. Yeah, so it's so, so fun to watch what was prophesied and then what actually occurred. I don't know why I'm so fascinated by that, but I am really fascinated by seeing Isaiah trying to explain something that he didn't even know what it was going to look like. And then now that we're on the backside of it being like, oh, he did really good, actually. Which will be fun again. During the millennium, we're going to make some other tip-ins that will talk about his <laughs> millennial prophecies and second coming prophecies and how they actually came about. But we have to wait until then to print them because it hasn't happened yet. But Put that on our millennium <laughs> list of things to do. Because really, like one day we'll do the same thing again, right? We'll yeah. look back and be like, oh, oh my gosh, look, so at, look at the way he prophesied about it. And then this is the way. We yep. actually lived it out. And and so this might be something that you want to take for your last lesson of Isaiah. That's an idea to go back through the whole book and say like, oh, let's just focus on all these prophecies about, about Christ that um, that he did. Oh, speaking of these tippins, um, if you missed last week's video, mm-hmm. um, the real, the printed tippins for the New Testament year and the journal, which is new and improved. And we're so excited about We are excited the, about it. Um, what do we say? The devotional book, the Word the, a Week the posters, Word a Week posters, all of those things are uh, the stickers. They're all on pre-sale right now, and historically, they sell out before Christmas time, and then people are anxiously waiting for a reprint. So, if you get on right now and order those, they will be for sure to you um, before the beginning of the year. So that's a so pre-sale happening that. right now. And yeah. the journal is, um, okay, I guess we should announce this. We're going to go four more years, everyone. We decided we love four doing this. We years. love being with four you. We years. love this community. So we didn't want to do what we've already done because we feel like we've learned all of that together. So you'll see if you go into a desert book or go online and look that the journal looks completely different because we kind of have some different ideas that we're gonna be doing and we'll introduce you to for this next year. But we feel like we've grown as a community already and we're so happy where we are right now. But we feel like there's more growing that we could do. And so the journal is kind of gonna give you our next step. Yeah, a little bit deeper kind of thought into some of the things, an emphasis on a daily like dose of scripture and connection with God. And then a lot of help for like, like teaching your teaching family and teaching discussions Sunday school and classes yeah. and just like to kind of open up the discussion among friends and families and classes about scripture, right? Yeah. To make it normal to talk about yeah. scripture. Among yeah, we friends. have so much fun learning together here that we're like, we want our ward to be having this much fun. We want you. He teaches the best. He has the best calling in the world, yeah. whole world. Yeah, I 16, teach the 16, 17 year, 17 year old Sunday school class. <laughs> so what if you're that? Do you want some ideas for that and, and something you can use? That's kind of what we're thinking about. Yeah. Okay, so, so the tip in is an idea for a lesson this week. It reminded me that everything's on pre-sale. Now we're coming back to what we're actually going to talk about today. We're not going to lean into that lesson. That's when it's available. But we are going to lean into another one of Isaiah's really prominent themes. Like as you look back over the book, you see a whole lot of like his themes occurring again and again and again and again. He just keeps bringing them up and similar imagery up and up again and again. And and one of those themes that he keeps bringing up is um, this idea of connecting with God, that he has a people who are religious, like they go through the motions of everything. But he says, but you're not actually like con- connecting to 
him. Like that's something that he wants to keep bringing up. And today we're going to talk about two of those um, practices, right? That Isaiah, like that they seem just like normal, common things Mm -hmm. that religious people do, right? But Isaiah makes them become beautiful because he Mm -hmm. opens up and teaches us the intention of them and the and and they become powerful when we understand what they are and and we're going to talk about today the law of the fast and also the the wearing of the holy garment for those who are um endowed endowed members uh but and also for those who aren't if you've always wondered why do we actually wear a holy garment isaiah does such a beautiful job of teaching it so we and just, and the other one too. Like people might look and say, "Why do you even fast?" It seems yeah. like a funny tradition. It seems like a yeah arbitrary, you know, or something. Yeah, and so, sometimes for me, um, I lean into something better if I understand the why behind it. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that happens today, and we're going to start. Well, we're not even going to start with the fast. We're going to start. Oh, with Oh yeah, Isaiah's concept. Time. This. Well, yeah. we're going to start with this concept, which is really the same one, um, because it is about connecting with God, but it's also about this idea of remembering him and recentering your life on him. Mm-hmm. Because throughout the whole book of Isaiah, it's consistently a callback to recentering that relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you became obsessed with the world again. Let me bring you back. You you forgot about who <laughs> God was. Let me remind you, right? It's like, yes. this is it again and again yeah. and again throughout the book. And Isaiah prophesies that this is what it's going to continue to look like. There's going to be a constant need for recentering and and remembering. And there's these verses um, right up here. If you look up on the on the top left here, we're going to start in chapter 63. And he says um, this in verse 10 of 63, where he says, um, "But they rebelled, and they vexed his holy spirit, um, or they lost that holy spirit. They turned their back on that." Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them. That word enemy is um, interesting. It makes it sound like God was like mad at them, but meaning like now he's going to start humbling them to try and turn them back. And that's what he means by he became their enemy. And then he says, then it says he, but you need to look, click it and say that his people remembered. It's a better translation. Then his people remembered the days of old. Moses and his people saying, where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? And where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him? He that led them by the right hand with his glorious arm, dividing the waters to and fro. Um, And it's just, it seems to be like a really powerful um, lesson right there. There's like the people rebelled, but then they remembered who they were rebelling against. And And I love when they were like, but where is he? That one who helped us know things by the spirit. And where is he? That one who like delivered us out of the hard things. And I love that it was, they had to come to that thought that they were like, oh, wait a minute. Where is the one who delivered and rescued and saved and healed? And where is he? Yeah. And it almost makes them come to a realization like, oh, I'm the one. Cause they said that, right? Like, oh, we, we rebelled and we walked away from the Holy Spirit. We walked away from deliverance we Mm. turned our back on him and then of course a call then well then turn it back yeah right at which you love you love that about the lord that he's just like turn again right i'm right here so just like just turn this way um we're going to connect that one chapter over with 64 verse 8 verse so much um it talks about um 
part of this remembering is, but now, O Lord, thou art Let's our... start in seven because it's really good. Okay. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. And that's such a cool line. Yeah, it is. It's like stir yourself up again yeah. to reconnect. Stir, Get something yeah. that will stir you up to like turn back. Yes, for you have hid your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. And when I read that, I just want to think part of what happens when we choose to become, I love when you were like obsessed with the world, is the world starts to become our navigating place. And the world starts to become our influencer. And the world starts um, molding what life is going to look like. And then we're like, wait wait a minute. Because the world isn't always kind. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always care about our family or our future. Future right. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think it's so interesting that you were like, um, God, God was hidden from us because of our choice, because of the thing that we chose. And then they say this in 8, But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay and thou are potter and we are all the work of thine hand. And I had the opportunity several years ago to go and watch a potter do his work and sit at that table and get that clay and put it on there and then start pushing with his foot and the table starts turning and like it is fascinating. It's also super relaxing. I don't know if you've ever watched the process before like that, but I could have sat there for like two hours and for some so reason, I have to 10, yes, 10,000 pictures on my phone that I've never <laughs> posted anywhere because I was like, I just need to remember this. I just want to remember this. But one mm. of the things that I learned from watching that process is if that clay is not exactly centered in the will or whatever you call it, everyone who's potters is going to be like, you weren't exactly right. But <laughs> this part was true. If, if the clay was not centered when the potter starts it ruins the piece it just it's never quite right again there's something so important about the centering and when i read this i think i love that they were like this is what had happened we we somehow got distracted we got off centered and then we couldn't find you anywhere Mm. and our life was not as good as it could have been and um But now if we make you our father, but now if we center ourselves back in you, then we can become the work of your hands. And I love the thought of that. It was so interesting because Natalie and I were talking this weekend. We had a long drive in the car and we were just had started laying out where we've seen God's hand in their life. And we started at the very beginning and we just were like, oh, and then this. Oh, and then this, and if this hadn't, hadn't happened, then this, and we kind of had started doing that. And the interesting thing is their life has been really hard for the past three years. And I had said to her, it's so interesting that even in the hard things, we can still trace him there. Like we can still find him because we were centered in him. And then she said the most interesting thing she said, it makes me realize that the hard could have been harder. Hmm. Don't you think that's so interesting? Yeah. And to realize that there's something about that centering in him that brings peace even when the world is not peaceful. Yeah, especially if you've like experienced it before, because this is not always the case. So I don't want somebody to freak out about this, but it's not always the case. But sometimes when I feel like like a little bit like wonky in my spirit, you know, like I'm just like, things are off. 
Yeah. Like things are not like, I'm, I don't have like the passion I used to. I'm missing, you know, and there could be a lot of reasons for that. I get it. I'm a human, not a robot. Jandy's going to be so happy I said that. Yeah. Sometimes she reminds me, you're not a robot. You're a human. So you're like unpredictable, you know, but I, I can, the, one of the first things I do is can, I ask myself, am I, am, is my relationship with God off center? And is that's what caught, it's almost like mm. I, I can picture the wheel with like, you know, yes. wobbling on yeah. with the mud or whatever you call that. Yeah, that's the clay. really good sound effects. <laughs> the podcast people are going to love that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I almost like you, you see a video of that where yeah. it's like so off and you're like, I have felt that before. Yes. And the reason was me. Like sometimes it's not, but yeah, sometimes, you know, it, sometimes is. it is. And yeah. it's like, it's, that's okay. Cause there's a call like, we'll recenter yourself. Yeah. And remembering can help you do that. I was just like, when I read that verse, I was really appreciative of the sacramental mm-hmm. prayers that were just like a reminder of a chance to remember and yes. recenter, yeah. right? To like, oh, I've rebelled. Let me now remember and recenter. And these two things that we're going to talk about are two of those remembering and recentering mm, practices. That's so true. Right? Yeah. So the first one is the law of the fast. And I can't think of a better spot in scripture besides mm. Isaiah 58 that um, that teaches the law of the fast more beautifully. Yes. And with such perfect imagery to help you just because it's and really realism too that he's like yes, he meets yes. you where you are he's like i see why you don't like fasting right which i love when someone comes in like that yeah. and they're like oh you don't like fasting i see that let me tell let me help shift your perspective so you might love it more yeah because he, they've got people here and they're saying it's like we fast and you don't even hear us right this is verse three and you know and and you don't even see what we're what, what's happening right and, and he says back to them. I love this in verse five. Yeah. He's going to say, wait a minute. And he's like, is it, is what you're doing? Is that the fast that I've chosen? Do you think that's why I asked you to fast so that you could bow down your head and as afflict a bull your rush soul? And Do you think I just soul? wanted you to afflict your soul? Is that what you think fasting is? Which how many of us are like, well, yeah, I actually thought that is what fasting is. Yeah. And it could be seen as that, like that monthly Latter-day Saints fast once a month, generally, right? That monthly call to fast could be just seen as like, oh yeah, I forgot. It's, it's fast Sunday. Oh yeah. You're just supposed to, we just do that. We fast, we go hungry, you yeah. know, and, and that and could be the extent like, of it. And, and if you say why we're like, oh, because if we miss breakfast and lunch, then we pay that money towards someone for fast offering, which is true. Um, some people might be like, Oh, the reason why is because within your physical body, it creates a reaction where you're like, oh, I'm hungry. And then when you remember you're hungry, you're like, oh, I'm fasting. Yeah. What am I fasting for? And, and it, it's a built in mechanism to remember, I'm going to pray for this over and over. Every time I feel hungry, I'm going to pray for this. Also true. Like there's everything he's saying. You're like, true. Yeah. It's not easy. It is afflicting your body. Right. But I love that he's like, but hold on. There's like more. Yeah. And let's talk about even why. Yes. You know, like why are, why is somebody doing that? And does it make you want to just say to yourself, how many gospel things are there that we enter into and we get in the routine of doing it because it's what we do. And we actually have never taken the time to ask why, 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 why did you want me to do this? Exactly. And, and to see like, what would he say? Because... I love that. And I love too that he's like, let me just meet you where you are. I realize you don't love fasting, that you feel like you're afflicting your body, that you're bowing your head, that you're in sackcloth. 
Like I see that all of that is true, but also let me like lift your thoughts higher, your perspective higher of like, do you know this is the relationship you're entering into every time you fast? Yeah. Um, we kind of titled this section, well, I, two things. <laughs> First, if, so if you're on a podcast and you can't see the board, but like this is the law of the fast, which is one aspect, you know, of relationship with God. But I think it's a great way of summarizing what it looks like to live out covenant relationship. Mm. Like fasting is not just going hungry. It's actually living out covenant relationship. And we talk about this a lot and it's probably important to mention again here, but there is a difference between routine and relationship. And sometimes if you are feeling off-centered, it might be helpful to say, is it because I am living more of a routine than a relationship right yeah. now? And fasting might have become a routine for you. It, it might not be living out covenant relationship. And then I, I liked when you just talked about, and then sometimes I have to like recenter myself and be like, why am I even doing this? Yeah. Um, and Isaiah is going to help us to know the why. Yeah. And to just say this, can I just add this onto that reminder? Because yeah. I think like these three words are becoming my favorite, you know, yeah. that when I'm in a place of rebellion, like that recentering takes a remembering because it's like, mm-hmm. I need to, because rem- remember, they remember what God was like. Yeah, they remember the relationship. Just like, oh yeah, I remember I really like you. Yes. I forgot how much I actually like you. That this wasn't just like an arbitrary, like try and get what I want or Mm -hmm. manipulate, you know, but rather like I like living life with you. I forgot and I want to recenter. And this is interesting. There's a story in the New Testament, which we'll look at again next year, Mark 9, where a father comes to Jesus just pleading for help with his son. And he just like, he's, and lists out every part of that. It's like, we don't sleep at night. We're like, our, we're in debt because of all the doctor bills. Like we have nowhere else to turn. Everyone's going to turn to Mark else. 9 and they're going to be like, where does this page <laughs> just, You know, but there, you can, there's this father who's just like helpless. I have yeah. nowhere else to go. And well, and it's so turn. interesting because it is like an everyday helpless. It's not just right. like it happened last weekend that he got sick and now... We don't know what to do. It's like every time he sees water, he tries to throw himself in it. And every time we walk past a fire, he tries to like, he, he's, he is not well. My child is not well and he has never been well. Yeah. And he says, to ask the question where he's just like, it, it, can you do anything? Is there anything you can do about this? Like you don't even have to completely solve it, but if you can offer some sort of relief, yeah, and you just this. feel that weariness. Oh, I know. You it, just you can just see that dad's shoulders. Like, how many times have you been that parent where you're like, it, I'm sure he did lots of the pleading of like, I need this healed, I need this fixed, I need this. And finally, when he finally gets there, he is so weary. He's just like, if you can do anything. And I love too when he says this, please help us. Yeah. Like this, this hurt is not just about my boy anymore. This is about, this is hurting both of us right yeah, now. Yeah, and everyone in the family and everybody who cares, right? It extends that far. And and um, on one end, it's like, there's almost like two lessons from that that remind us of the fast. And the first one is a fast can and is a plea for help, right? It's like you become the father in this story, pleading for yourself or for someone else. Mm-hmm. So we'll see that in it. And the second part is like, 
when Jesus heals him, the disciples say, he brought us to us and, and we couldn't heal him. How come? And he says, well, this doesn't go out without prayer and fasting. And Jesus introduces or seems to introduce at least there a concept or an idea. It's just like there are some problems um, that re- require more. more than just a simple petition. You know, there's something yeah. about it. You, there needs to be a greater measure of connection to me in order, you know, for this to come about. And so he just reminds us that there will be mm-hmm. times in life where we do need to call for help. And we see that in 58 verse 6. Yeah, I love when he says this. Is this not the fast I have chosen? Because he's like, do, do you think this is what the fast looks like? It just looks putting on sackcloth. It looks like bowing your head. It looks like afflicting your soul. Or is this the fast that I have chosen, he says, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke and I love that like the part in verse 5 he's like isn't this what fasting is for a call for help like isn't it you pleading to me to enter into that relationship and help and I love that like for me my best fasting moments have looked like that like that dad yeah yeah and and that like coming to him because I know who he is and I know what his capacity is in my life. And if, if submitting to him in that way is going to open up a door that wouldn't otherwise be opened, then I will submit in that way. And it, and, and it seems like you were talking about the natural response of going without food or water. Like it just sort of like, to me, I think about it, it's just like, oh, I've taken something out of my life to make room for something mm. more. You know, it's sort of like what that act is. And then in seven, he says, this is a call for help. Part of fasting is that. And also part of fasting, the law of the fast is to be a help. And it just, there's something beautiful about being someone petitioning for help while also remembering I'm not the only one afflicted Mm. in this world, you know? And, and, and he says, is, is it not, in verse 7, to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that you bring the poor that are cast out to the house, and when you see the naked, that you cover them, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Like, to, to not shrink when you have an opportunity to, to help. And something really, really cool here, I think about a covenant relationship with God and a covenant mm. community, too, like where... And All I love of these that are coming in because fasting is so often that giving up, right? We we give up food, we give up what water, but also for those who are Latter Day Saints, we give up funds on yeah. that day. And I love that for some reason it's the three <laughs> what funds with a D. Oh, <laughs> not fun. <Yeah. laughs> Funds. We give like, up money. Oh, um, we give you. up food, and, and but we also give fast offerings, right? We give right. up something that is going to do. One is the call for help, but the other is answering the way we can in our faith community. That um, call for help within our community. Yeah, I just love that. Actually, turns you to the left and right and to see like, oh, there are other people pleading for help. I wonder if at least in this one way, if I can help 
them. Yes. And and if not in other ways too, you know, like I think maybe fasting becomes more powerful to not only pay money because some problems can be alleviated with money. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But then to like just have a thought, a heart mm-hmm. that thinks. And what if other ways can with I? If you're fasting with someone. Yeah, yeah. What other ways can I alleviate people's yeah. pain and hurt in in the way? And then this is the response. Right, he says, this is the beautiful experience you engage in, like as part of yeah. like living the law of the fast. And then, then 8 through 12 is him saying, and this is what you can anticipate experiencing. And one of the things you'll notice in scripture that is a scripture technique that we see really well here is that if, then, um, where the verses will play off of each other. And so... He's going to start out and say, is this what it should look like? And then in verse 8, he starts out like this. Then shall, and then he's going to start listing all these blessings um, that we're going to see. And then in verse 10, he's going to say, and if, he's going to bring it up one more time, you do this, you draw out your soul to the hungry, and you satisfy the afflicted soul, then, and he's going to list the promises again, and the promises are so beautiful and the promises become the why. Mm. I feel like they become, why is he inviting us into the law of the fast? It's because it's going to open up the door for something beautiful to happen in our life. And, and they're verses that we are familiar with. And when you read them, sometimes your brain is like, yeah, yeah, I know that. But it talks about, then shall your light break forth as the morning and your health will spring forth speedily and righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rearward or your rear guard or your protection. And then you will cry and the Lord will answer. And um, it's going to go through all of these things. You'll see the part that Lord will guide you continually in 11 and satisfy your soul in drought and make fat your bones and you'll be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fell not. And this is a place where it might be really fun to write these words out. And maybe if you're teaching the youth or in a gospel doctrine class, you might say, okay, I'm going to write all these out and I want you to write, what does this sound like in our language today? Like, what's he, does it, is he really going to make our bones fat? <laughs> like, what does that even mean? And someone might be like, I don't want fat bones, so I don't care if I fast, right? I don't even have a garden, so I don't need water like when we read it like this and you look at it literally you're like well i don't even know if i want any of these things but if you were to sit down and rewrite it and it said here's what you're gonna have because of the fast an increase of the spirit healing will come into your life you will know the right way you will have the protection of the lord you will receive answers to prayers and help when you need it You will get inspiration in that obscure thing that you're trying to work through. You will be given light in that dark moment that you're like, what should I even do here? Continual direction. He will take care of your great want. He will strengthen you. You will find full life in empty places, a well that never runs dry. You will be known as someone who can fix anything, as one who builds and doesn't tear down. And then I'm like, oh, this is this is actually what I need right now. And all of these privileges will come if I choose to fast one Sunday a month. Then I, I want that because I need this in my life. 
Yeah, and that's such a great idea, I think, to put those phrases up and have everybody like, okay, what do you think this is actually saying? And some of it's imagery, right? Mm. And so you need to like think through like, okay, what's he saying if like the garden will be like really lush in the middle of a desert? You know, what's it yeah. mean if like, anyways, yeah. like he's trying yeah, you to have invoke to see emotions, the right? Yeah. It's like, what, what is he trying to, to have us do here? And, and this is something that I hope is really, really clear in all of the teachings of Isaiah and in, in this lesson. And that is like that these blessings come because that's who God is. Mm. When the father pled to Jesus, healing came because Jesus is healing. Right? Like the blessing was God entered into the story and he brought with him everything that he brings. And I think that's so good to realize and recognize because there are some places you only, you have to go to get that thing you love. That's true. Yeah. Uh, even in life. Like um, if you love the corn dogs at Disneyland and also the lemon dough whip that they have there lemon yeah the pineapple one. no guess what <laughs> you can't get it anywhere except for california land <laughs> right you have to go there to get that you i actually have to go if i want those two things they're just not anywhere else and that is a true that's just true that's reality and i love that that is also true here in a spiritual realm if I want these things, if that's what's calling to my soul right now, then I have to um, enter in to yeah. this place. I have to choose to enter in. And that's the privilege of entering into that place. And I, I love that. I love that there are privileges that come with relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I also like that God gives permission for us to ask for help. You know, like, cause sometimes we're like, well, at least me, I think like, I don't want to take advantage of God. Like, I don't want to be the needy friend who's always like only asking for stuff, but rather like, I like that he says, knock and it will be open. Like mm. asking you will receive, like I am in position to help you and I want to help you. So you can come well, and into I love this. What you're saying about that, because it is true. It's not a one way relationship. It's not just we ask for stuff and he gives it. And it's shown so well right here where yeah, you're talking yeah. about it because there is that this is what I need from you. But I love that he's also, oh, and this is what I need from you. Like that's a true relationship when you are both investing in what the other needs. Yeah, You know, yeah. And I love that he's like, you ask for help in these places where you need it. But then I'm going to ask you to go help the poor and the hungry and the naked and we're that relationship is reciprocal and those are the healthiest relationships yeah okay we're gonna go into the second part that we talked about right and again let's just like summarize and say this someone could say oh uh some christian people just go without food every now and then you know and it's like or it's this well, you and know? look how and fun it's like this the difference is. is so beautiful. And then in 14, when it is like, then you will delight yourself in the Lord. And I'm like, that is so true. It's as we experience that relationship. It's when mm. he shows up for us, when he gives us opportunities to show up for someone else, then we delight in that relationship with him because we're like, it's working. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like I see, like Natalie was saying, I see the touch points. I see where he's answering. And the same is going to be true um, for this next one. Um, I'm, I'm remembering we're starting with that scripture that I Oh, back love. in 59. Yeah, in yeah. 59, 17. Um, I um, want to hint back to Ephesians just for a second because there is that scripture where we read that talks about put on the whole armor of God. And you remember it talks about the breastplate and the helmet and the sword and the, your feet shod and all of those things happening um, that as we prepare ourselves. And one time when I was reading Isaiah, I found this scripture and I was like, it's so interesting that he doesn't just tell us to put that on, but as the captain of the host, there is a scripture where he also dresses himself. And it's right here in 59 verse 17, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and he was clad with zeal as a cloak, which I just, I love imagining him getting ready the same way we try to put on the armor every single day of our life and, and get ready that he also is doing a similar thing. But I was showing that scripture to David because I love it. And he's like, but for what? What's he going to battle for? Yeah, because you look at it and you're just like, oh, you dress for the occasion, right? You dress yeah. for whatever it is I'm about yeah. to go into. And like, he didn't put on his shepherd robes and grab his staff from the corner, you know, and his whistle. Do you use a whistle? Was she? I was just trying to think of like what the shepherd things would be. It's you imagine it's flute do they have a flute you have, you know, that's just for flute. their own oh. entertainment but whatever you know yeah so like oh yeah grab all you know you're like oh i know what you're going out the door to do you're going out the door to be a... he's gonna have a whistle <laughs> whatever oh. like you go you just you know now you look at him and you're like oh if i was watching him i was like you're putting on a helmet and you're putting on vengeance outfits and you're putting on all these things and you're kind of like why are you dressing as a warrior? And part of the answer is actually in the verse, the verse right before, before it, when he said, "I," and he saw there was no man, like no hero. To be the be intercessor. Way, right. And wondered, where's the intercessor? And he's just like, I, I, then it will be me, right? I will be the one who will fight for you. And so that's why we put this phrase up on the board that he, this is the who, and then also for who. And 61, um, like the, answers that question. Mm. It's like, what did you come to do? What did you come to battle against? Yeah. You know? And I think this is important because sometimes when he has the imagery of a warrior, we think he's come to battle against like people, <laughs> you know? Yes. And he's like, no, no, no. Let me tell you what I came to conquer. Mm. And let me tell you what I came to fight against. And these verses are, I think, some of the most beautiful verses in Isaiah. And, uh, and this is, let's just read through them because they're so good as the answer here. And he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me. Anointed means uh, chosen or set, set apart. apart for a particular cause. And it's this cause to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me for this purpose to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the Jubilee 
year that mm. we read about in the, um, in the book of Leviticus, the year when when all debts are forgiven and and there's a great rejoicing that happens. He's like, he sent me to like say, it's time to, to rejoice. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise in replacing of the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness planted in, in the Lord, that they might be glorified and, and you get a, 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 a description of what he came mm. to do and what he came to be and who he came to, um, to defend. Yeah. And it's, it's, such a, it's such a beautiful, you know, description. And I love when we read it in Luke, the same thing. Remember when he's in Nazareth and he stands up in that synagogue and um, in the synagogue, they just hand you the scripture that you're going to read next. And he starts reading this scripture. And I wonder if it's kind of like, you know, you've been in church sometimes when someone's like, can someone read this? And they're like, yeah, they get up. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And and I kind of wonder if he just stood up there and started saying the spirit of God is upon me. And he has anointed me to preach good tidings and when he starts talking about how he came for the brokenhearted and if you are heavy this is what i came to do and if you are mourning and can you just imagine looking at his eyes and listening to him talk and the spirit that probably filled that room and they say in luke chapter four wait a minute who is this isn't this joseph's son why are these gracious words coming out of his mouth. And um, I, I like to change that in my scriptures to say words of grace. Why, why is he speaking like this? Like there was something there that happened in the room where everyone, it wasn't like someone just stood up and read the next three verses. Yeah. Um, but that something powerful had happened in that moment. And there was a power there and I think that's important for us to remember that there is a power here like a real tangible power this is what he came to do and it's interesting as you get into this chapter in Isaiah 61 because the words that follow are words um, in verse 6 it talks about that ye shall be named the priests of the Lord priests and priestesses of the Lord Men will call you the ministers of God. We're going to read in verse 8 about an everlasting covenant. And then we're going to read in verse 10 about being clothed with the garments of salvation. And all of a sudden, you are hinting toward what becomes recognizable to us in our uh, Latter-day Saint doctrine and yeah. culture yeah. and society as temple words, right? We, we start hearing this temple language, which makes you want to start thinking, okay, what does the beginning of this have to do with uh, verse 10 and 11? And maybe it's fun to just read 10 and 11. Yeah, let's read it. And then don't let, don't let me forget about sitting in the audience. Say that to me if okay. I forget, okay? But Should he you says, say it right now? Well, okay, yeah. I was just going to say, when he just comes in and starts saying, that's who I mm. am, who's sitting in the room? Mm. And I want to think to myself, the dad from Mark 9 is sitting there. And he's just, and then the person next to him, 
We don't know her, you know, her story, but she needs beauty for ashes. And then, and then the guy next to her, um, needs to have the prison doors opened that everybody who is hearing them because they're human Mm. are in need of one of those. And then I, I almost 10 is each of them answering and saying, this is what he did. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Which I love the thought of this because I think a lot of times, and I've got five daughters, so these are conversations that we've had in our home, but a lot of times we talk about this holy garment that we talk about and we're like, well, what is it? And what is the why behind it? And what would Isaiah 61 teach us about this? And one of the things I think about, I think it's so interesting that it's hooked right there with this garment of salvation um, this holy garment, it should be regarded as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels, right? As she prepares for that day. And um, I can remember, and I be- I wonder how many of you this is true for, but when I planned my wedding with Greg, the thing I was the most excited about was my wedding dress. And I think different people have different things that they're like, some people might've been their honeymoon. Some people might've been their flowers. Some people might've been their veil for me. It was the dress. I didn't care where we spent money anywhere else that whole entire day. I had fallen in love with this dress. And then we hung it up in this room because you don't want it to get wrinkled. You probably don't know that about dresses, but you don't want it to get wrinkled. And mine was in the days of Lady Di, so I had this huge train, huge, that buttoned up. It got all bustled (laughs) on your back when you were, and a big bow on the back of mine. And it hung in this room and truly, I would go look at it every day mm. up to my wedding day. It just the thought of like putting that on, there was something about it. Um, and, and it was like elevating and it was transforming. And it was like this thought of like entering into something new that I knew was going to change my life. Um, the day I wore that dress, my life was going to be changed for good. And that dress represented all of that for me. And I love when it says in verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in God for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. And I just want to think about that for a minute. Like it's something that is going to be, uh, that you're going to reverence and revere. And it on that day and from that day forward, life is going to be different than it is right now. And I think sometimes, particularly now, we live in a culture where some people want to talk about the holy garment as if it is underwear. And I will tell you, this is true about me. I've never set my underwear out the day before I'm going to wear it (laughs) and be excited to put it on. I just, it it doesn't, that's not what happens. You know, I, it, there's a drawer where it just, um, lives in and it doesn't sound like that's what Isaiah is talking about right here when he talks about this holy garment it feels like maybe there's more maybe there's a deeper why and maybe the deeper why is found in 61 right because you could and I like that he gives it a title 
you know, mm. because he's like you're saying, he's elevating the experience. You, I, mean, I mean, he's creating an image. Yes. Right. Um, which is an image that we also can um, that Latter-day Saints can participate in also, which is this idea of um, he is clothing me mm. with the garments of salvation. Or I, like this one could be, have said like, oh, I went hungry for a day. This one could be, oh, I put on my undergarments first and then I put on my favorite shirt and shorts after that. And it's kind of like, or... That's true. Could you, that's true. Or could you think a little bit differently about that routine and allow it to become and teach you, teach you the le- a lesson, remind you of something and connect you to God in a very unique and particular mm. way. And one of the things that's neat is that he calls them the garments of salvation. Mm. And there's so many different ways to translate that. Remember, ancient words have several different translations. And so to look at the just the branches of what that word, um, the meaning of that word um, is and could be, um, uh, I think opens up like yes. what he's calling it. Yeah, the why, the understanding right, of it. The, and, and we're introduced to this concept of this covering with Adam and Eve, right? Because there is that moment when they are found naked in the garden and um, and the father says, we need to make them skins of covering. And we read it in Genesis three, I think is where we were when we were looking at that. And I love that thought that what does naked represent? And it's those vulnerable moments. It's those moments where you're like, um, we came up with exposed. such good words. Exposed. I love that word. Or, and, or like, and naked means without. And yeah. so you could say And maybe like, unsafe. Yeah. Well, they were without clothes, but like everybody's ex- experiences withoutness. Like yes. I'm without hope. I'm without friends. I'm without direction. Yes. I'm without, right? Nakedness means something is missing. missing. And because it's missing, there's all these effects Yes. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be unsafe. I'm yeah. going to be, you know, And I love cold. that he doesn't just be like, well, that's their consequence for the choice they made. I love that he's like, oh, we should clothe them. That's what we should do right now. And that word salvation, um, being clothed with the garments of salvation, that word salvation can be translated lots of different ways. There, there are a lot of different roots for that word. One would be sozo, which we talk about a lot, which is rescue and deliverance and healing. One would be Yeshua, um, which has to do with someone coming to help provide that deliverance and safety and healing. Um, Some of the words we wrote down for what that garment would represent is deliverance, safety, help, to preserve, to make safe, to defend, to rescue, to succor, to um, bring victory. I just keep going back to that word healing because it is one that is so tied to that word. And, and I love that he's like, this is the garment that you are going to put on. This is what it is bringing. And I look at my own life and I think um, I, I need that. Mm-hmm. And I don't just need it on Sundays. And I don't just need it when I go to the temple. I actually need these things every day. And if a father came to me and said, listen, if you will just put this on every morning, 
This is the privilege that comes with that choice. This is the privilege. And I think about what Isaiah begins with is he's like, let me remember who is giving you the garment. It's the one who said, this is what I came to do. The father sent his son to make sure this is going to happen in your life. That's who's giving you the garment. And that's what the garment is a symbol and reminder of, right? That you can claim the privileges and blessings that he is offering. Yes. You know, to you. Yeah, and that's what you're putting on every single day. And I love this thought to just think this. Are you in need of healing? Then put on him who binds up the brokenhearted. Are you in need of saving? Then put on the one who opens the prison doors. If you are in need of rescue, then put on the one who sets loose those who are bound. If you are in need of defending, then put on the one who fights for you. If you are in need of succor, then put on the one who comforts those who mourn. I mean, can you imagine in those moments when you are mourning every morning to just put on that, the promise of that, the privilege of that. If you are in need of help, then put on the one who turns ashes to beauty and who turns mourning to joy and who turns heaviness to praise. If you are in need of victory, then put on the one who brings good news. I just, I think to myself, if you are in need of daily deliverance, rescue, healing, saving, help, victory, all of those things, if that is what your day demands, then put on the garments of salvation. Yeah. Put on the power of God. Put on Jesus. Um, and, and then you look at what some people call underwear and you say, this takes a special drawer in my home. This holds a special place in my heart. This signifies a covenant relationship that is so dear and so precious to me that I can't imagine doing life without it. Because you can't imagine doing life without him. Mm -hmm. And it's a reminder of who he is and what he does. And it's a reminder of our privilege to claim Mm -hmm. relationship and claim what he brings into that relationship. And it's like, oh, it's just a, it, it, it really could be just a routine and it's not the the clothes themselves like they're you know they're not mm. magical and and going without food is not magical but it's the it's the it's the physical act that represents something going on inside mm-hmm. that connects us to him it's putting on Jesus and I love that Yeshua that's his name yeah like that's how you translate his name like put on the garments of of Jesus and 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 you know you go back to that Garden of Eden story where they were without right and he says let's make coats of skins and it should be remembered we talked about this at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year that the only way to get a skin off of an animal is for that animal to be sacrificed so really when they left the garden into the lone and dreary world they went clothed in sacrifice and clothed in promise and clothed in his grace mm. that's how they left in every morning when it was thorny and thistly out there in the world and they recognized how weak they were and how much help they needed 
they put that on to remember, oh, I, I have a one, you know, yes. who is who is mighty to save and willing to save. I'm, I can petition his power and healing and, and grace in this act. Yes. You know? Yep. Like and the like act a... itself is a prayer. Like I've right. never, I don't think I've yes. ever thought about that before until right now, but it's like the very act of it is a call for help. You know, it's a symbolic call for for and, help. And a reminder that we are his. Mm. Um, you know, I, I wear this every day to remind me that I am Greg's and there is privilege and responsibility that comes because of that decision I made on the day I wore that white dress. And I put this on every day to remind me I am his. And there is a privilege and responsibility that comes every day with that relationship as well and a commitment. There is something about commitment. And a higher level of commitment. And that's why I like that that verse, that chapter talks about that everlasting covenant because you can be in a relationship with all sorts of people, but an everlasting covenant mm. and the symbols of that remind you of a very unique level of relationship. It's like, oh, sure, you can be infatuated with anybody. You can like listen to the advice of anybody. You can, you know hang out with anybody but it would be it would be very different than the one that you've bound yourself mm. to like that's another level, level of privilege that comes in that level of of relationship that's there and um we this whole kind of idea um i hope you caught that idea of a daily deliverance right that it's like Emily and I were talking before we started and she said, you know, sometimes if you say the word salvation, people go immediately to like a future event. But we're talking about a salvation as a daily need for whatever today mm -hmm. demands. I need salvation today from my heartache. I need salvation today from my worry. I need salvation today from my addiction. I need whatever. Yeah. It's a daily deliverance. And and as we speak about this concept that Isaiah introduces and, and a symbolism that Old Testament people were familiar with, this symbolism of clothing. Mm. Um, in chapter 63, he talks about a future day when Jesus will come clothed. And he says, who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? That's talking about a direction that he's coming from to the east. This and from a direction of their enemies. Uh, Edom and Basra were to the east and they were also enemy nations. So he's come from their problems, right? And he is this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel? Why are, why are, your, gar why are your garments red? like him that treadeth in the wine fat. And he says, I've trodden the wine press alone. And of the people there was none with me. For I tread them in mine anger and trampled them in my fury. Or in other words, I conquered your prison doors. I conquered your sickness. I conquered your death. I conquered your hopelessness. I defeated them. And that is why they are red. They are red in the symbols of victory over your enemies and then you're making me remember those several scriptures that want to talk about and that's why ours are white because they've been washed, washed in the blood of the lamb yes you know um, so interesting yeah 
And then, uh, and so there's that awesome like reminder there. And then Yeah, verse, and then I love when you get to seven, it, yeah, just, seven. it makes me want yeah. to go back to that conversation I had with Natalie because I think there are moments when you look at your life and maybe even particularly when it is hard, um, those moments that are hard. And you think um, what we said at the very beginning, but where is he? And I love those thoughts that as we go through that relationship and as we are living within right relationship with him and coming to know him, both because this isn't just a routine and this isn't just a routine, but this is a relationship. It will allow us to start looking back and remember and recenter. And what do we remember? It's what he tells us in 63 verse seven. I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord and the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies and according to the multitude of his loving kindness. And I just love the thought of that. There will be days where I will put on my garments because I need deliverance and healing and rescue and saving and victory on that day. But there are some days that I put on my garment out of respect and reverence and awe for his loving kindness in my life just surely for his goodness Uh, just a symbol of I remember you and I reverence you and I want to be known as yours and if this is what you ask of me then it's so simple for me in that line in eight for he said surely they are my people like it is just a way for me to feel like covered and claimed. Oh, that is so you know? good. Yeah. Um, and, and not by anyone, but by him who came to, the, you know, everything yeah. that we said. Not by mm-hmm. anyone, but for him who in nine was afflicted in my affliction and mm-hmm. in his love and pity did he redeem oh, me. I totally like he, want to write that on my garment drawer right now. Covered and claimed. Let's go do it. (laughs) So good. All right, y'all. See you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.